to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. And I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Tonight we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 3, I, There's the Rub. The new Lord Chamberlain distracts Helena with a royal reality show as she awaits the results of her twin's paternity test. Cyrus attempts to cure his erectile dysfunction. Liam continues his affair with his brother's ex-girlfriend. And James Hill tries to help Jasper and Eleanor with their relationship. God, I felt like a dumbass saying that title. It's, but it was the, it's the easiest one in the history of the show to remember. Oh, my problem with it wasn't that it was difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was that I'm actually kind of surprised. I wanted to talk about this on the air. Uh, I went to the Royals website on E's page the other day to look up the Christmas Spectacular video. If you mm-hmm. haven't already checked out our Christmas Spectacular mini-sode, please do so. Uh-huh. Um, and the show's website is still really pushing the Hamlet thing. I thought by season three, since they've mostly disposed of the Hamlet plot lines they had introduced in season one, I thought they might have been kind of putting that particular bit of publicity out to sea. But no, it's still there right uh in the summary of the show on the main page. Yeah, um, I guess it's just that they don't want to update the site, maybe. I'm not really sure. But the one thing that I haven't noticed a lot of this season, though it looks like it's going to actually change next episode, is the super, super obvious connection between the Hamlet quote and the content of the episode. I, there's the rub. Knowing the royals, I would assume would refer to, my guess would be a hand job off the cuff. No, knowing that's... this show. But <laughs> to be honest, I know what it, I know what it refers to in Hamlet. That's not what I was saying. What's next week's title? Next week's is very on the nose. Our late dear brother's death. Oh, that's a groaner. Oh my so, gosh. But it's How another long do you think one? they've been sitting on that one? They probably came up with that during season one and were like, oh, yes, we need to hold off. And, Save and it. the one after that is called Born to Set It Right. They're really going with the easy to remember titles this season. I'm surprised with Robert back. We haven't gotten like, you know, closer than kin and less than kind or something like that. <laughs> Maybe they're waiting for the possible Liam Robert conflict that may have been foreshadowed in the uh the Christmas spectacular. Well, let's get right into this episode because this episode features uh the longest and most dialogue heavy Robert flashbacks we've ever seen yeah. and it's definitely our introduction to his personality. So, I would love to talk about first impressions of Robert right off the bat in his scenes. Um he has maybe th- Three flashback scenes in this episode. I want to quickly note that they all have a little glossy overlay and every single shot in every single flashback <laughs> scene is at a Dutch angle. Why? I don't know. Apparently- They brought Tim Burton just for this episode. Yeah, I guess 
prior to the opening of the show, there was some kind of earthquake that tilted the world back the way it was supposed to be. But yes, every <laughs> shot, every one is a Dutch angle. Robert is so far kind of how I expected her to be, which is that he seems like a very nice upstanding guy, but he doesn't have any real substance beyond that, as far as I can tell so far. Disagree. I mean, mm. I disagree about the nice upstanding guy thing. I thought they were showing... Well, he's like the platonic ideal of like a television show like this is idea of a nice I, guy. I'm completely disagree with you. I really mm. disagree. I don't think that's what the show is trying to even project. Didn't you feel that he was a little bit cold and a little bit smarmy intentionally in his flashbacks? I don't know. The main thing I remember from his flashbacks, and I think this was supposed to be a genuine moment, is when he talked about how how much he cares about Catherine and he wouldn't be with her if he didn't care deeply about her and blah, blah, blah. Other than that, it just seemed like, I don't know, like generic but not entirely convincing TV charm. I didn't read any particular smarm into it as far as i can recall i sort of saw him what i got from the flashbacks first of all he and liam do not exactly 100 percent get along which is something that had never the show had never really introduced until now but i felt that he was very purposely making sure that liam was in every interaction reminded that he was the younger brother and not the heir to the throne and it was obvious that Liam did not like that nickname Sparrow that Robert gave to him that Robert used pretty condescendingly and uh the whole like gimmick of when he gets Catherine to go get that bottle of alcohol from the cellar that they already totally have at the palace like I don't think that's a scummy move, but the show totally plays it like oh, he stole Catherine away from Liam. It was obvious that Liam liked her and Robert purposely swooped in and said Bagsy. Like the show plays it as if he's like a budding bad guy at times, in my opinion. Oh, I suppose that that uh, could well be the they've certainly it's far be it for me to say that the show completely changing a character in the middle of the series, especially when we haven't technically met yet. But by all accounts is a perfect human being. So far, from every account we've had at him. But it's totally in character for the show to completely alter that on a dime. I mean, yeah, just look at um, how many character changes Helena has endured over the seasons. I guess there is bound to be conflict between Robert and Liam. And while this may not be true of me, uh, I think from the perspective of the show, it's easier to make Robert the vilifier, vilifying aspect of that particular equation than it is to do Liam, who we've known the entire time. This show doesn't understand what people actually want from, like, a good, interesting TV character, though, because Liam is always portrayed as, like, so saintly, he can do no wrong. I mean, the show is telling us all of this, that like everyone loves him. Everyone across the country, across the world can see that he has a good, pure heart. Yeah. Um, Even though he's almost always motivated by trying to sleep with some young woman or another or trying to have someone ripped limb from limb. Yes. People constantly telling him how much they believe in him. I think the thing I said to you was more people believe in Liam than believe in Jesus. <laughs> it's true. He has more disciples 
disciples. They're just all gorgeous young women. We're we're almost making you sound like a Charles Manson figure now. Kind of. I guess that's true. That would be a nice twist. I would buy it. What I I was going to say was the show insists on Liam being so saintly that they came up with this plot of the love triangle between Liam, Robert, and Robert's former girlfriend, Catherine. And the show is like... Oh no, that might suggest some moral ambiguity for Liam, a gray area where he's not doing something good. So we need to make flashbacks and make it super clear that he met her first. They have genuine chemistry and Robert just swooped in and was like all fake and charming with her. And that's how he got her. And he never appreciated her because he would never make their relationship public. And it's okay. I mean, to be, I, I guess that's very possibly what the show is doing. I personally, I wouldn't buy it as a viewer because he talked to this girl for three seconds. Um, he did but lay that's on. That's how the show is playing it. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know, a shitty version of the Skylar sisters where they both kind of suck, I guess. But, um, I feel like he does his usual level of Liam charm, which is so fucking cheesy, but this girl loves it, where he says, they always do. Name a girl who's turned it down. They love it. They eat it the fuck <laughs> up. Specifically, this time, if his 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 big uh, come online is he's predicting what his, his brother's going to say in the speech, and then he says, "I can predict how this conversation's going to go too. I'm going to say something city, uh, something witty, and you're going to laugh." I almost said shitty. <laughs> <laughs> That's what actually happened, though. And then she says, "Oh yeah," and he says, "Something witty," and she laughs. Classic Liam, charm, cheese. I didn't get a whole lot of a read off of Robert yet, I feel like, in the three scenes. It was mostly establishing their dynamic, I guess. He talks about how he was always comfortable in Robert's shadow because he loved him so very much. So even while if the show was playing him up as a smarmy kind of villain type, at the same time, Liam still considers him like that dude he looks up to so, so much. They also have a nice callback to season one where they are playing darts. I don't think they've mentioned that in a good two seasons. I forgot about that until you brought it up just now, but yeah. now I'm actually kind of getting chills because that actually is one of the few things established about their relationship. And that he could never beat him in darts is said in the first season. I don't think Robert is being established as a bad guy per se. I think he's being established as the one Catherine should not choose because she should be so head over heels with Liam. I think he's definitely being established as the more calculating brother because he has these pre-planned speeches that he trots out every time, whereas Liam is just so moved by the spirit of whatever Mm -hmm. is going on that off the cuff he just manages to say the perfect thing because he's like King Arthur. He's the once and future king. I mean, uh, yeah. So I think it's going to be like, oh, Robert sees the royalty as like a business and he knows how to play the game. Isn't that just awful? Even though that's exactly what I would want from a royal were I either involved in the industry of royalty or a subject. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know to what degree there will be a conflict about who, about Liam retaining the crown for some reason. I don't think there's any legitimate call for that. He wants it. He was like, they were all crying at the end of this episode when he 
Yeah. Spoiler alert, he and Eleanor are Simon's biological right. children. So now Liam supersedes Cyrus as uh, Simon's successor to the throne. Right, but Robert supersedes Liam, so he has no real but they claim. they didn't know that. I know that, but what I'm saying is everyone was I know, yeah. so fucking but, I mean, like, going jerking forward, themselves off over Liam being king. I'm, not, I'm talking about going forward after this episode. I don't know if that's going to be a point of conflict or if they're just going to give it to Robert. Oh. <gasps> I think it absolutely will, based on how big of a deal they made of Liam becoming king. I mean, Eleanor was crying while right. fake curtsying. The problem is, I don't know how they're going to sell it, because there's not really anything Liam can do about it. Unless there ends up being some sort of crazy Edgar Edmund situation. I mean, I've said all along that King Lear would have been a better basis for this show than um, Hamlet. I think you can catch that in one of our season one episodes. Where it ends up that Robert is, for some reason, Alistair Lacey's child. Yeah, okay. That crossed my mind, but your the the note about his intense resemblance to Simon was the main thing that made it kind of... It's I stand by that, but Liam had an intense resemblance to Alistair Lacey, not his biological father. Well, there you go. Well, something's going to have to happen, because it seems like Cyrus is basically not going to be the villain anymore. He's just going to be a sad sack. Yeah, something has to change with Cyrus, or he needs to die, which... I would hate for him to be off the show, obviously, but, like, he hasn't had anything good to do in, like, a season and a half. Pretty and much. And it's getting embarrassing. Uh, and he's the most fun character. I don't know why the writers can't find a way to just make him the villain like he should be. They decided that they wanted to humanize him last season with the Violet thing, and then they have not been able to steer out of this turn. It's like well, it's like fishtailing on the road. It seemed like in the first episode of this season that they kind of were pulling back from that and just returning him to season one Cyrus, and then they were just like, nope, straight back into it. You know who needs to come back? Who? James Holloway. Cyrus's gay lover. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe he'll show up. Well, I, I, I'm not going to hold my breath, but they called back something in season one, so... He's still trapped in that, se that sex cage, Zach. I just want to know that he survived. He's probably just a skeleton. There'll be a quick shot of a skeleton in a cage next to Cyrus's gong, and that'll be the last we see of James Holloway. Perhaps. Um, <laughs> I guess we should just talk about what Cyrus does this episode. Let's we already get it out it. of the way. This plot line is disgusting. This is the I want worst, nothing to do with this. Is this is the worst plot line... Of the episode. Uh, it begins. But it's only the third, it's only like the third or fourth worst plotline to feature a maid, which is really sad because there have been so many terrible true. ones. Uh, it begins with Cyrus knighting a prostitute named Cinnamon for no reason. Spelled with an S in the subtitles. Okay. She wants Cinnamon. to change her name to Saffron, but he doesn't, he said I already, he's, after she says I actually changed my name to Saffron, he's like, Too late, I already said cinnamon. <laughs> Which I kind of liked. Yeah, I don't know why he's doing this. Um, she immediately offers to give him a blowjob, like, two seconds later. And he says it's too late for that, because he's apparently impotent. Did they say he's impotent before? Well, I think, here's my guess as to what he's doing. Because the first time I watched this through, I could not understand why he was apparently repeatedly knighting prostitutes, according to Helena and the Lord Chamberlain's conversation. And uh, he's like having trouble getting it up. And I was like, how are these pieces coming together? But now having watched it over, I think what he was doing was, you know, Cyrus, like he really, really gets off on like the power imbalance, like him being the one who's clearly in control over a subservient person who is his mm -hmm. like sexual interest 
Yeah. So, oh my God, mom, turn off the podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, I think he's just setting up these like fetishistic power scenarios for himself, thinking it will turn him on. Like he thinks when he knights this stripper and then she blows him, it will turn him on and it will give him the ability to be sexually potent again. But it's not working, which is why he's repeatedly knighting prostitutes. He's kind of playing through a bunch of different power fantasies, paying these women to do it. But nothing is working. That's all conjecture, though, because it's not clearly yeah, explained. That's the best. That's the best theory there probably is going to be on the subject. He only has sex with people who are directly subservient to him. Yeah. Never on the history of the show has that not been the case. And he was very uh, into the whole maid thing with both Prudence and Violet, so I'm guessing it has something to do with that. I, that's the best theory that I guess we're going to get. But Cyrus spends, even though the DNA is in the hands of Helena, and he really should be plotting about how to save his uh, reign. Instead, he spends the entire episode trying to solve the problem of his apparently psychosomatic impotency. So he finds the body double. He inquires to Helena where the body double for Which Violet. body double? Because there have been several specified. So last episode, when he was at the... getting the uh, the scan of his eyes... The violet he saw in the security cam was apparently not a ghost or a vision, but a body double that Helena hired. Seemingly, I don't know why. He was already out of the room, so I don't know what the purpose of this body double was. To keep him out of there for longer, I guess? Because James, yeah. James did not do a good job holding him. It seems like James should have been able to take care of that by himself, but whatever. He's very short, though. Sure tiny and it doesn't seem like it would take that that long to get the dna evidence anyway but anyways so they got this body double for no good reason and cyrus is like oh where'd you find her and she's like some woman down at the market and so he tracks her down fishmonger you could say we gone fishing yeah as she puts it yeah so they (laughs) try cyrus tracks her down proposes to her what sounds it turns out to be like sort of the equivalent of the thing in the first episode of broad city where uh abby and alana pretend to be like hang out with this baby guy because that's his fetish even though they don't have any sexual actual there's no actual sexual activity it's just like a fetish thing but it sounds like straight up sex work the way cyrus describes it i mean that's a kind of sex work but it sounds like prostitution yes that's sex work (laughs) yeah but it doesn't, it, it sounds like full-blown prostitution and not like a weird fetish game, I guess, which is what it is. And this well, woman is super amenable to it very quickly. Everyone in the Royals universe could be doing sex work They're at the drop okay of a hat. Yeah. Everyone is like, I can see myself as a prostitute. Yeah. I mean, as a sex worker. If I misuse terminology, it's never to be intentionally disrespectful to sex workers. It's just because this show plays it so fast and loose with the terminology that it can be hard to separate that. So she she initially refuses him, and then she asks if she he loved this woman, I think. And then she says she'll do it for love. She'll do this. And twice as much money. And twice as much money. But she'll do fetish play for love. Which is a nice sentiment. I don't know. This is the worst plot line. Okay, let's just get through it. This fishmonger woman is incredibly wise. She does sort of look like Violet if Violet had a brain in her head. So I know it's a stretch just to even imagine what that would be. Almost every woman on this series kind of looks like, like, they all (laughs) kind of look alike. 
to be honest with you. Yeah. But yeah, that's fair. It's you're either one of the blonde women with big eyes or, or you're one of, one the, of the brown-haired woman yeah. with big eyes. So, mm-hmm. anyway, she does all this stuff Violet used to do for Cyrus like telling him to drink pomegranate juice and dusting. The actor who plays Cyrus, it's an annoying scene, but the actor who plays Cyrus is sort of selling it. He's like dust less made like no more made like than that and i know as i'm describing it you're like shannon why are you repeating this this sounds like the dumbest thing ever but again the actor who plays cyrus almost made it funny he never ends up being able to get it up no matter what she tries and eventually she's like the reason your dick doesn't work is because it was true love but someday you'll find someone to love again and then your penis will start working again I'm paraphrasing, but that was more or less the advice she gave. I'll keep that in mind, fish lady. It doesn't work. We get one last shot of Cyrus when Helena... We've already kind of revealed that, yes, Simon is the father of the twins. Helena comes in to brag that uh, that Cyrus's reign is pretty much over because Liam is the rightful heir. And he's... Just sitting there alone, being a sad sack, drinking whiskey. I, I'm surprised he wasn't listening to like just Leonard Cohen or Tom Waits or something. Um, I don't understand why the show is choosing to focus on Violet when Cyrus should be like maniacally searching for the woman who kidnapped his son. I mean, hell, yeah, that's true. Prudence, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, again, she, the kidnapper, is the child's mother, but in, I'm sure in Cyrus's eyes, he would see it as, you well, know, a negative thing. Sure. I mean, I don't know how much attachment he has to the actual baby because he's kind of a person who is somewhat of a sociopath, but I don't know what importance that's going to play going forward either, because now Cyrus is like fourth or fifth in line again. It seemed like he wanted that baby as a status symbol, and I thought that his pride would mean more to him, Hmm. but he has just nothing left. I mean, I feel like an asshole talking about it, but cancer has really taken this character downhill majorly. I mean, it is rough. I thought the baby was so he could have a suitable heir to continue his legacy, but now he doesn't have Same difference. Like, he doesn't, but he doesn't need an heir anymore. He doesn't have anything to to give him. He's not going to be king. No, it was just surprising to me that after all that rigmarole involving the baby leading up to the baby, leading up to Prudence having a baby that is just like a nothing part of the plot. No, there's it's another pointless. Le- there's another legitimate Henstridge out there. Yeah. Maybe just waiting to show up three seasons from now. That plot seems, even if it was potentially important now seems completely unimportant to the main plot of the story you know and i would just say like oh they just ship prudence off she's not going to be on the show anymore but we have said that about other details on this show that have come back for example this whole time zach and i were like oh we can enjoy eleanor and jasper's new relationship because the show is retconning that he ever drugged her and had sex with her without her explicit consent and then the be Beginning of this episode, Eleanor references the fact that her drink was drugged the first two times they had sex, and she says it to six-year-old Sarah Alice. It's nuts. So, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with, with Cyrus, but he's just sad now, and he doesn't have any right to the throne, and Helena mocks him, and he's like, I hope someday you know how it feels to have the most important person taken from you, and she's like, Robert, 
Alistair Crawley or whatever his name was. <laughs> yes, that was his name, Alistair Crawley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alistair Lacey, I think. Alistair, Simon, Robert. I've lost more than my share. And that's it. That's yeah. the end of the Cyrus storyline. you. You lost your girlfriend of two months. I lost my firstborn son, my husband, and my childhood sweetheart slash longtime lover. Like, the- that was a real... I felt... I was with Helena in that moment. I was like, eat a dick, Cyrus. When Simon and Robert actually died, she did not seem to give much of a shit. It's been retconned, Zach. It's all been retconned. Okay. Now she... Yes, she gave a shit now. Okay. <laughs> I'm not happy about it either. I'm just explaining how this works. So that's Cyrus' storyline. I don't know what they're going to do with him. He's become one of the most interesting characters to, like, now he's just got nothing. There is nothing for him left for him. He's not attached to the rest of the cast. He's always off on his own with these young women who kind of cycle in and out of the show for a few episodes. Yeah. I mean, he works best as a as the clear point of opposition to the goals of the main cast, and that's not what they're using him for. Yeah, it's almost like he was created to be the villain of the show, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just spitballing here. Maybe. So we'll see what happens with that. Meanwhile, I guess we should talk about the second most nothing storyline of the night, which is Elizabeth Hurley, Helena, gets sick and likes a reality show? Yeah, so her Lord Chamberlain Spencer, who banged her when they first met, they obviously are still making fuck eyes at each other the whole time. Yeah, She's like a little bit under the weather, so he coaxes her into bed to watch rubbish, as he puts it, and eat chicken soup and cuddle with a teddy bear dressed as a doctor that Helena amazingly doesn't immediately rip the head off of. Yeah. She actually cuddles with it, which just goes to show another person who really should have been a bad guy on this show, who is not Not anymore. anymore. Right. There is no real villain anymore, but she claims she doesn't watch TV, and after the Chamberlain leaves, she flips around a little bit and stumbles upon a reality show which I said that if Shannon and I lived in the Royals universe, this is the show we would have a podcast about instead. And again, it feels like they're subtweeting us. At one point, uh, the Lord Chamberlain all but looks directly into the camera and says, that's why people watch rubbish. It helps you forget about your problems for a little while or something to that effect. And I'm like, I see you, Mark Schwann. I know you're mad that we don't love your garbage show. We're doing our best. We did this to ourselves, though. <laughs> It's true, we are, and we're constantly enabling each other. She finds a show called Royal and Beautiful about the Crown Prince of Liechtenstein. Played by Elizabeth Hurley's actual son. Played by her actual son, who's like a more petulant, less sociopathic version of Joffrey from Game of Thrones, who just berates this footman named Gunther all the yeah. time. Also, a li- you know, also obviously shades of Draco Malfoy, but sure. a little bit more effet, let's say. Yeah. I don't know if that's an offensive word to use. I don't think so, though. Um, and I, the whole time, I knew that her son was going to be on the show this season because she had posted on Instagram, like, the two of them together on set. I'm hoping this is it. I'm hoping he will not become a character that arrives because... As just little clips of, like, a fake Bravo reality show, like, almost in the vein of Real Housewives in terms of music cues and the way it's shot, it was, like, a funny one-off gag. Sure. That works well enough. Um, I don't want the Crown Prince of Liechtenstein to arrive at the castle for comic relief and, like, have a scene with Sarah Alice where they yell at each other. You know what I mean? Oh! It's brown! Everyone has a brown horse! It's so common! 
Does he think I'm a common boy? I'm not a common boy. I'm the crown prince of Liechtenstein. Was the Instagram photo taken in the actual palace set? Because he certainly never went there. I'm happy to say that I believe it was them outside, and I believe it was the arbor where they shot him uh, getting the new horse from Gunther and saying, but it's a brown horse, like an ordinary ah. horse. Do you think I'm an ordinary boy? Or something to that effect. I believe it was that. They don't actually share any scenes together. It's just her watching him on the television. Um, no, it was just like her standing with him. But I did want to say kind of a funny note since I last time was talking about how I think the island Robert is stranded on is the coastline where Simon and Cyrus uh, went hunting. Uh, the place where this crown prince gets his horse is very clearly the same arbor where Eleanor and Helena hung out with their horses last season. I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't notice that, but what can you do? Sometimes you got to reuse a set, I guess. Reuse and recycle. <laughs> yeah. Make do. Yeah. Basically, Helena becomes very attached to this show. She's waiting for the DNA results. Uh, eventually the Lord... Ch- Cyrus watches it too, because he right. comes in and tells her what right. happened. The Lord Chamberlain and all of the maids get attached to the show, because they're all glued to the TV at Helena's bedside. And yes, Cyrus, in, in another joke with Cyrus that works pretty well, while he's trying to get the information about the fishmonger woman from her, um, he notices she's watching the show and spoils what happens next clearly indicating he also watches the show. Yeah, that was a cute moment, especially because the thing he spoils is that the prince is mad because his ice cream is too cold. Which happens like three seconds later. Yeah, so it's fine. It's mostly this guy berating his manservant Gunther, except Willow (laughs) suddenly relates to poor Gunther at a later date. That was cute. What's that? See, I kind of liked this. Willow seems to be the only person who's immune to the prince's charms. Uh, funnily enough, she needs to work on implementing that strategy in her real life. No, no, the Lord Chamberlain says he's terrible also. Yeah, but in an even more amused way, I would say. But. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Willow, who is, of course, just like, she looks like an old Hollywood star. She's totally beautiful. She's very classy compared to a lot of the other characters on the show. I enjoyed that she watches and immediately starts relating to this, like, bumbling and abused manservant who is her absolute physical counterpoint. Well, they are both taken advantage of and not given enough uh, emotional support by princes. I don't even know where to begin getting into this, because I would like to say... I really did not appreciate the scene featuring the military veterans in this episode. Well, we'll have to start with... Catherine, we probably. have to get into it so we can circle back to Willow because the scene between Willow and Liam was one of the most eye-rolling scenes in this entire episode, which is really saying something. Liam and Catherine had sex at the end of the last episode. They are in bed together. There is obviously some like kind of indie rock on the nose music playing. It's like underneath something it. about how this is my life. Yeah, there is, well, I mean, it cuts from the shot of them at the pub where they first meet and Liam with his beer. And then there's some song about being sober or sobered up by love or something like that playing underneath. Um, 
And they have... God. Okay, Liam's the worst of this episode. <sighs> Liam is sitting at the table, looking pensively at a picture of his brother, and is like... I miss him. Every day. And... <laughs> He's such a fucking... He's very, very e emotional in this episode all the time. Um, and they have a conversation about whether they should feel guilty or not, and... I don't know if they should feel guilty. They should feel weird, and they don't. And Liam's like... Another classic Liam move is like... So next time I knock on your door, open it. Don't feel guilty. And he steps outside, and three seconds later, there's a knock at the door. Guess what? It's Liam. And you see it coming a mile away, too, because it's Liam. But I wanted to say, while they're having that conversation at the table, he asked her, like, when you were with Robert, did you ever think of me that way? And she very matter-of-factly and honestly goes, no, you were his younger brother. And I, that was yeah. like the one Catherine moment Maybe in the, her entire run on the show that I've liked, because it seemed honest. Like, she just honestly shot him down. Like, no, I was dating your brother. I was not, like, thinking romantically about you. Nice try, though. Um, we also get the reveal that that, uh, that relationship was entirely secret. Nobody in the wider world knew about Catherine, Catherine and Robert. Not even her father, apparently. Not um, even her sister, who is this uh, no. very pretty girl with a short blonde bob who, like everyone, just loves Liam and wants to tell him how much she supports him and would like to encourage him. Yeah, she does the same. Th she is another emotional support girl for Liam. She's immediately into him, etc. I bring her but up because she was named. Her name is Angie, and I think she's definitely going to come back in a later episode. Very possible. It seems like a little bit of a bit part for to introduce a whole new sister just for that two-second yeah. appearance. Catherine has to go because her father is hosting veterans, which he does once a week at his bar. Uh, the same bar where they met, obviously. It's 500 years old and it got a plaque from Robert last year. They always say last year or one year ago when referencing this plaque and, like, stuff happened in the last year. So it seems like the timeline of this show so far has been definitely one year or less. But, yeah. That still sort of technically works with Prudence's pregnancy, I guess. So... They, Liam surprises her by showing up at this veterans meeting, which Catherine says it's not a support group. It's just a place where they go to talk to one another about their experiences to help them cope. So not, not a support group. I did not enjoy this moment. I did not enjoy the continued, the continuing of the stigma against genuine mental health care like support groups are a great resource a true support group would be run by you know a trained counselor or a therapist but god forbid the show you know show these men actually seeking like true medical care for their incredibly legitimate problems they can fix it with beer and playing cards and just shooting the shit like yeah. fuck off this whole this whole plot line makes me very annoyed the scene yeah there's a lot to not like about the scene uh he's super he blows off angie to be super flirty with Catherine, and then he plays card he makes us the shittiest joke during this speech to the veterans about how in England it seems that we give out plaques for almost anything. The other day I presented a plaque for the street that had the most cobbled stones. <laughs> he says it in that weird way. 
Cobbled. Uh, which is the worst joke I've ever heard. I hate Liam's humor. I don't like him in this episode at all. He has been unbearable this season. We have yeah. always been big defenders of William Mosley. We definitely, I don't think we even spent that much time talking about Liam in the first season that much compared yeah. to Eleanor and compared no. to the problems we had with her storylines. Like, Liam could be cheesy sometimes, but this season between dialing up his need to like i need to be the king and inspire an entire nation while doing absolutely no work whatsoever to his varied annoying romantic scenes it has just been like and, get off the screen and all of the constant sense of sol solemnity and seriousness that used to hang over jasper and make him such a drag as a character has been through osmosis, transferred to Liam. Because Jasper is allowed to now have fun. And Liam is not. I want to get into the support group that's not a support group. Because there is yes. a lot to unpack here. There is a lot to unpack. They start playing cards with all of the veterans. I want to preface this by saying, I'm sure it's basically understood that Zach and I have the utmost respect for veterans, which is why this scene bothered us so much. It has nothing to do with us objecting to veterans or soldiers being included on the show. Uh, if you could li listen right now, come up with the most cliche bullshit <sighs> B-movie version of a group of like, probably like uh, Iraq war veterans about that age, I guess, maybe even a little younger. Um, that you can think of in your head, and that is exactly the group at this table. There's... And then sanitize everything about them. Yeah, yeah, Including absolutely. their pain. The most stereotypical cool girl um, I've maybe yeah, ever seen. She has, Shannon is indicating she's wearing a baseball cap because she too. I'm wearing a solid blue baseball cap in an attempt to make Zach understand how cool and laid back I am. Sure. That I'm not like the other girls. Yes. If only you had a pitcher of beer and we're playing poker with one foot up against on the table. Um, the night is still young. Oh, we'll see. Um, so she's there and she's cracking. She cracks all the jokes and they even say, you're just like a brother to us, too. Like they're all brothers and you're a brother, too, girl. Yeah, we're all girl. brothers. No sisters allowed for a woman to be good. She has to be equated to a man. But yes, so she is. Yes. Cool girl. I'm sure she watches football uh, in her free time. We don't see that, but I can infer it. Uh, the other most prominent one is a guy who they all gently joke at, uh, who has one arm. Mostly the girl joke makes jokes about him. Um, and he has Liam at Liam's request at one point, because Liam has to be super serious and emotional all the time. He's like, if you don't mind, could you tell me what happened? And the guy launches into... The most rude question, by the way. The guy launches into the most just bland, you know, average, like expect generic, generic. Yeah, that's cliche, cliche war story I've ever heard. And it's you know, blah blah blah. IED killed my friend, got rid of my arm, and I only made it through the pain. I think this is a direct quote. That's the thought of my girl back home. Like, it's 1943 at the movies. Yes, it's like, it becomes the movie White Christmas all of a sudden. It's literally, yes, early days of, like, World War II films. I'm surprised he didn't open a locket and look down at his darling. 
waiting with puppy dog eyes looking out the window. Normally, I love it when the Royals does something completely tasteless because it means we have a crazy episode to talk about. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I really did not enjoy how callow they were about slapping some random veterans onto this episode, giving one of them a grievous injury, and just using it as a chance for Liam and Catherine to make fuck eyes at each other. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I seriously doubt that this will come back, although following this meeting, uh, and I think Shannon will have a lot to say about this scene too, Liam decides he's going to set up a charity for veterans. Let's talk about this. I'm sure every woman listening to this podcast has been in a situation like this, so ladies, tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Uh, Liam meets up with Willow and says... Willow, I have this great idea. I want to start a charity for veterans. And Willow says, great, I'll make some calls. And Liam goes, thanks. Basically establishing that by making some calls, she's going to do absolutely all the work. Liam, who has put no thought into this besides charity plus veterans equals good mm. is going to slap his name on it having not is, done a single thing and it could be debated that it's not even that deep it could literally just be a thing he's going to do because Catherine would like it oh yeah oh i didn't even realize man fuck this guy i'm real mad now yeah so but you're right yeah uh wilhelmina inexplicably clearly still has a thing for liam why I guess every character has to have a flaw. I kind of got it when they showed the previously on and they showed her in that champagne dunk tape in her dunk tank in her corset dress. And he was like leaning down to kiss her, but then they didn't kiss. I was like, I forgot you two actually had chemistry because you have had no good or fun scenes together in such a long time. But he has way better physical chemistry with her than he does with the actress who plays Catherine. Yeah. Based on that clip, at least, based on what I remember of their, like, early dalliances back when every single costume Willow wore involved a corset she wore outside of her clothes. Yes. Um, but that's kind of a classic look, very Sleeping Beauty. Sure. Uh, I sort of remembered that, but then I also remembered that after that super hot scene where she was wearing a corset in a dunk tank full of champagne, he sent her back to his room and then he never showed yeah. up. And the fire alarm went off. Uh, the sprinklers, specifically. Um, yes. Basically, all the only other thing I really remember happening in this storyline is he lets Willow know that he is dating someone else and she's clearly disappointed. That's when she goes to... She runs out of the scene. She's devastated. Right. I, I didn't rewatch this part. This is one of the, not one of the parts I rewatch, did not rewatch in the background. That's when she, later she goes to Helena's room and sees Gunther talking about how the crown prince of... What is it? Uh, Lichtenstein does not consider his feelings and she relates heavily to Gunther. Again, another reason to hate Liam is that... Willow is clearly better than uh, Catherine. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. Willow is like this girl who's apparently, if we're to believe season two, extravagantly wealthy and also like distantly noble. Mm -hmm. But she's choosing to work at what's basically an office job, like doing essentially like not secretarial work, but like research I mean, for them. She's also... A better character, at least thus far, than Catherine is. If Liam has a type, it is as bland as possible. 
So maybe that's consistent. Um, yeah, uh, I don't. Is there anything else that happens in Liam's storyline aside from? I mean, obviously they review. Nah, let's get into Jasper and Eleanor. Okay. It seems like we always end up with these two in the end. This is the best thing in the episode this week, right? I feel pretty confident about that. So Jasper and Eleanor have decided they are going to do this letter writing book sharing thing. And except that that's not the sort of thing that they actually do or are good at. No. And I kind of like that the show winks at that by being like, oh, shit, we don't actually know yeah. how to talk to each other. Eleanor is having a lot of writer's block. And guess who's back? Sarah Alice sitting around helping her. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah. I'm Sarah Alice. Reading her discarded uh, first drafts, which of course mention cunnilingus, which uh, Eleanor has to cover up and pretend is something else. It says cunning Luffagus. He's one of Snuffleupagus's friends. I've never heard of him. Yeah, well, he doesn't come out all that often. Sarah Alice suggests that she have the royal scrivener write her mail for her. And taking this idea to heart, Eleanor goes and visits Mr. James Hill, who she now refers to as Foxy. First of all, he's not a royal scrivener. He's the head of palace security. He shouldn't have time to work on drafting other people's love letters. Two, do they have a royal scrivener? Three, why is Sarah Alice the only one who understands how all of this is actually supposed to work? She is apparently very, very into princesses and royalty. Uh, it is all she talks about. Eleanor goes to James Hill, uh, to, as, to service our royal scrivener, noting that, um, Jasper's letters have been really on point. And this is an example of some foreshadowing that the show does that is not too obvious and really works. But James seems a little flattered when she mentions that Jasper's letters are really great, but he doesn't overplay it. That's because the actor who plays James is really funny in a dry way. Like, he's, uh, Eleanor says, Sarah Alice was in my room, and he goes, oh, I'll tell her she's not allowed. And Eleanor goes, no, no, it's fine. I'm teaching her things. And he repeats in the exact same intonation. I'll tell her she isn't allowed. Yeah, that's a really good joke. This whole story, this storyline has the jokes. But, uh, all of the jokes. All of the jokes. Yes, that's true. Um, basically, she convinces him to start writing these letters in her stead because all she's ever done is text him before. And basically, it's a it's what you'd expect texts between Eleanor and Jasper would be like. Lots of emojis, most of them sexual. So he does so. And a little later in the episode, Jasper comes to James Hill and is like, this letter from Eleanor is amazing. <sighs> and he's, again, James Hill is flattered, and Jasper criticizes a piece of it, and he's like, he starts educating Jasper in poetry, and in, you know, basically the skill of writing a little bit purple, but not too purple. There's a really funny moment where Jasper is like, they cut to Jasper in the middle of a panic, like, how can her hair be as dark as midnight, but as bright as a mountain at the same time? And James is like explaining it to him. Yeah. <laughs> but it's played as if it's like an emergency situation, which is very, very funny. Yeah. Now we, the audience, know that James Hill, because Jasper says he needs James to write him another letter. So it's clear that he's been Cyrano de Bergeracking for both of them and is essentially writing letters to himself. Um, 
on both ends. This is such a fun reveal because the last episode ended with Eleanor like loving that first letter yep. from Jasper. And now we know that all of it was fake. All of it was written by James Hill, who is kind of becoming one of the show MVPs for me if he wasn't already. I really absolutely adore James Hill. Strong start. And he's really transitioning into this new position well. Yes. And this is the only problem I have with the storyline. I wish that this reveal had happened later in the episode, but Eleanor's in the hallway. She's talking with Liam. She's telling Liam how happy she was that she gave Jasper another chance. They turn down a hallway, and there's a really good shot of Sarah Allen that is clearly meant to be reminiscent Sarah of The Shining. Allen? Sarah Alice. That's a new one. <laughs> Expect that one more and more, I'm sure. That'll be a new <laughs> Helenor. Um, yes, it is supposed to be the Shining, though. It's like one Shining twin. They have her dressed as the Shining girl, and it's a good shot. Like it's lit perfectly. The distance from the from Sarah Alice is great. It's really it is a great shot just for that one little moment. And uh, she drags Liam, which makes this whole scene oh, worth yeah, it. She like does not. Even though I get frustrated by Sarah Alice's precociosity. Mm-hmm. She meets Liam and learns he's a prince and basically calls him not Jasper and is kind of like, yeah. eh, you pretty much suck. And I'm like, ah, from the lips of a child. Yes, yes. She only from wants the, to talk. Not from the lips of a child. That's not the saying. From the mouths of babes. Jesus Christ. I sound from like the a lips sex of offender. A um, yeah. She does. Her farewell to him is goodbye, not Jasper, which is a pretty good line. And she says she knows where Jasper is. And Eleanor follows Sarah Allen to James Hill's office. You just said Sarah Allen again. Well, now it's going to be a thing. It's going to happen. <laughs> just get used to it. So it's, she follows Sarah Alice to James Hill's office where they are. Which should be a clock tower. Which should be. I guess they resigned the clock tower, unfortunately. They burnt it down. Uh, the Maybe the crowd, after they ripped Ted Price limb from limb, threw just a Molotov cocktail through that clock tower. No, they lipped. They ripped Ted limb from limb. Then they tore his house apart brick from brick. Sure. And of course, Jasper and James are in the middle of drafting another letter to Eleanor. So the jig is kind of up. And I agree with you. I wish this had gone on longer because I wanted to see more like Cyrano de Bergerac style misadventures where he's like almost getting caught by one of them, but then he pulls it off. But then he almost gets caught by the other one, but then he pulls it off. Yeah. I, I, it was a really fun thing. It only lasted a few scenes. I wish it had lasted just a couple more. Um, but I guess always, I guess it's good they didn't wear it out also. They had to get to another manufactured fight so that Eleanor and Jasper could have a heart to heart and then make up by having sex with each other. And it's a fun scene when they discover it because Jasper slowly realizes that Le- Eleanor's letters are also from James Hill. It's really funny because Eleanor, like, tries to play it like Jasper has done something completely unforgivable right. by asking James to help write his letters. And there's also kind of a cute beat where Sarah Alice is very offended that it turns out Jasper and Eleanor are romantically involved. And she says, we're breaking up. And uh, Alexandra Park delivers in a very funny way. Don't blame you afterwards. Uh, yeah. So she, there's some good exchanges in that scene. Like, uh, Jasper's like, so you don't think I have the body of a Greek god? No, no, but James does. The best part of that exchange is that as soon as she says no, but James clearly does, it cuts back to the shot. It was a two shot of Jasper and James. And when they cut back to it, James is just sliding out the door. (laughs) And it's really well timed. (laughs) 
I forgot about that. It really is good. Yeah. And there's a moment where she compliments somebody in the letter and they're both like, thank you. And she looks so annoyed. It's it's a very well shot, like, little co- the buttons of the jokes hit really well. Yeah, it's a nice little comedy scene. And so they have, yes, a manufactured fight about... uh how they maybe they don't communicate so well and maybe since they can't they don't yes and maybe since they can't communicate they shouldn't be together i will say sounds good compared to season one and season two jasper an episode where they have a small almost sitcom like fight about communication is a step up but here's the thing and i briefly touched on it i feel really stung by some of what was said in this episode in this storyline I really did not think we were going to go back to that gray area of sexual consent from their original encounter. And the fact that the show had to bring it back up and insert it back into the canon was, I think, a really poor choice when we've moved so far past it. But other than that, I do agree with you. I I feel like even though they've done that, we... We can't go back to it. No, we can't go back, but I couldn't help but mention it this episode because the show mentioned it for the first time in two seasons. Eleanor happens upon Jasper in her room talking to Sarah Alice, describing why he likes Eleanor so much. It's, I don't even remember what he says. It's not offensively terrible. It's, it's like, not great. It's, and she's beautiful and she makes people happy and she's brave right. because she's herself and she does her own thing. You know, it's, all the stuff that people say about Eleanor when they say nice things, mm-hmm. but couched as more princess-like qualities, right. perhaps. It's not, it's not Liam level, just absolute cheese that is so, so horrible. It's nothing like soaringly spectacular or beautiful or memorable. It's fine. I feel like Sarah Alice is going to be a character who helps people learn lessons. I think and... so. Okay. <laughs> yes, she's sort of, yes. I think that's her role so far. In coordination with James Hill, they're kind of a one-two punch. They're like Wolverine and whatever naive young woman he's been paired with for his storyline. Are you talking about the new... Wolverine movie? No, the in the comics, doesn't he always get paired with like Kitty Pride and oh, stuff? I think, they have I a gruff older a great... man playing off. Sure, it's a joke that's been made about me and John McCoy before. Ah, I don't read enough X Men comics to know. Uh, so she says that was perfect. That's all. That's the only kind of thing you had to say. They have sex, presumably for the first time since getting back together. Presumably, it's so. kind of played that way. I think that's what we're intended to believe. Later that night, he wakes up while she's still asleep and writes her another, you know, fine, whatever boilerplate letter that works well enough and i guess that more or less does it for that storyline is there anything else well eleanor gets this letter and she's sitting in the library room right and helena comes in and they have a nice moment where her mother is like now that liam is king he's gonna need his sister more than ever because of course Eleanor can't be in service of herself. She has to serve her brother. It's her job to be another one of his emotional support women. But mm-hmm. she seems happy about it. She's happy about Jasper. She shares it with her mom. It's kind of a nice moment. Like I said, I never loved Helena shitting on Eleanor as intensely as she did because the jokes were in such poor taste, like about eating disorders and drugs and stuff. So it's fine. And then something very artsy happens. Oh no, we have to, we have to, we have to pause that for just a second because we, we have to say the big thing where all the stories tie together in a like, in the kind of suitcase they always bring out on stage at the Oscars where the results are in. I thought we already talked about that. I don't think we did. I don't think we talked about the actual suitcase, but they come in with the results of the genetics test. Helenor open, Helenor. 
<laughs> um, a classic Zag Powers sure. original. And uh, Helena very dramatically opens it, calls the kids into the room together, and reveals that they are, in fact, Simon's twin. We kind of spoiled that early in the episode, but there it is. Everybody's... Was there ever really any doubt? No. And everybody's tearfully happy that Liam is going to be king. Uh, everybody's curtsying to him and saying, your highness, and he's like, oh, stop, but whatever. <sighs> he has no experience. Right. None. I mean, I he guess... He can't even do the bare minimum of, like charity visits that they want him to do i, I will say people like willow take care of it fuck boy that he is i guess theoretically he's better than borderline despot sociopath cyrus yeah but i'm all for the new robert regime yeah. even though he's kind of smarmy i think i'm into that i'm sick of liam's like just wide-eyed guileless like uh who me I guess I will be king. I guess I'm perfect for it. But yeah, do you want to talk? So then there's only one thing really left that happens in the episode. I don't know if you want to yeah. elucidate that. Yeah, like I was saying, I'll, I'll pick up from what I was talking about. Uh, so Helena and Eleanor share their nice moment over Jasper's letter. And they're leaving this little library room. And almost like out of a horror movie, there's a dimly lit figure mm. down at the end of the hallway a distance away. You know, the women are laughing and sort of pushing each other in the way that you do when you're an actor who's improvising that you're having, having a good a time very, with someone. Very on the nose conversation. Uh something about like I guess I now know what it's like to have everything my father you want. back. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Everything and, but, is pr oh Helena says, I feel such optimism. Yeah. And I think they literally say something like uh Eleanor's like it's it's I guess this is how it feels to finally have your father back because of the DNA results. And then she's like, if only you could know what it's like to have your son back. But who's this shadowy figure? Well, there's a shadowy figure at the end of the hallway. So it's it's almost impossible to describe what happens now. Yeah. To describe literally what happens in the plot, it's Robert with a scraggly beard down at the end of the hallway and the two women see him from a distance and at first seem that they can't understand what they see they're seeing and then there seems to be a moment of recognition and it's like okay someone just let robert the castaway yep. like back mm -hmm. into the palace but Did when not i call before we get into the plot i want to uh -huh. talk about how this moment happened sure. because it was like wide shot of robert wide shot of the women Close up on Robert, close up on the women, close up from a different angle, close up from yet a different angle. Women's faces, women's faces, Robert's faces, women's faces, like cut, 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 zoom in, zoom out, Dutch angles. And then finally ending on a close up of Robert's face. But it was like a bunch of weird clips from different Dutch angles zooming together. There are Dutch angles. There are, um, there's some, there's some coming into focus of Robert's face. There's a lot of that. There are more cuts to almost but not quite the same shot in this one sequence that I think in the shower scene in Psycho. Um, it's absurd. It's the most... And there's obviously some, like, indie rock fucking music betting the whole thing. Well, Robert's back. It sure took him long enough. It only yep. took him three seasons and three yep. episodes. They found him on a boat. They took that boat to England. They let him off. Nobody called. Nobody asked who he was. He walked home past the security... <laughs> 
and into the hallway. He walked up and they were like, who are you? He was like, I'm Prince Robert. I'm back. And they said, oh, welcome back. Come on in. Luckily, we haven't changed any of the security codes in spite of the murders. He was supposed to be dead. Okay, so the alternate thing is, oh, someone let him in not knowing he was Prince Robert. Someone let this dead-eyed, bearded vagabond with no excuse for being in the palace into the palace, into the queen's intimate chambers where the royal family lives? They had to have their arty reveal, and they couldn't do it if it were just a phone call saying, we found your son. It made not one lick of sense. I would have been like, have a call and be like, you all need to come here. There's something we need to tell you, or there's something you need to see. There's very sensitive information. And they get there, and then in this more secure environment with perhaps doctors, nurses, and or police around, they mm-hmm. see it. But this is the royals, and it's not as dramatic as him standing alone at the end of a hallway like Freddy Krueger. And that is where we are. I can't believe we managed to plow through this episode as quickly as we did, because it was plot-heavy and incident-rich. Yes, there was a lot going on. Uh, some of it was terrible. Some of it was great. It's weird. There's just... It was the Royals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there were real, real highs and lows in this episode. Um, this was the quintessential Royals episode. It was. Cyrus really let me down. Liam is... I wasn't as disappointed in his storyline as Cyrus, because I always liked Cyrus more, but he was awful. Her storyline was fine, and Eleanor and Jasper's storyline was pretty good. So, Yeah, like I said... I don't mind the Crown Prince of Liechtenstein as long as he never comes off the TV screen. Sure. We'll see how that goes in future. I don't want to jinx anything. And with the Royals, you can really never say never. But I feel like this episode was a good cross-section of the show in the sense that, like, it makes these stabs at trying to do something really clever or something genuinely good-hearted, like the plotline between Jasper and Eleanor and then it undercuts itself at every turn. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just, this one was a roller coaster of an episode in terms of quality, so. We certainly have a lot to pick from, if nothing else. What was your favorite moment or image from this episode? I think I am going to go with, which, uh, this thing, which I talked about earlier. I think I'm gonna go with the joke where Eleanor says, where, uh, Jasper says, you don't think I have the body of a Greek god? You took mine. Well, I think, and the thing that really sells it is, is, just the reverse back and James closing the door as he leaves the room behind him. That's the real punchline of that joke. That that sells it so hard. It's so well-timed. Sorry to steal yours, but that's... Yeah, that was one of the funniest scenes that the show has ever done in all three seasons. Yes. It would be disingenuous for me to pick another favorite moment. That was hands down my favorite moment, as that moment specifically. Although I also really enjoyed the cut into that scene, which was another smash cut into Jasper frantic because he could not understand how the metaphors were working together. Correct. Yeah. That was a good that was a good line too. Everything with James Hill in partic- in particular this episode was dynamite. It was great. Yeah, it's that great dry humor that we love from James Hill and that Jasper is finally getting a chance to bring to the table. So yeah, really and Jasper gets to be good fun stuff. too. I'm very pleased with the direction that plotline is taking. I hope they can kind of continue to use that combination of characters cuz I definitely think that uh, Jasper works best when he has someone like James to play off of. And he yeah. goes right back downhill when they pair him with Liam to talk about how everyone's obsessed with Len and your family. And I think the introduction of Robert means that we have a little bit of time before they feel the need to falsely inject a bunch of, um, a bunch of bullshit made up drama into the Jasper 
Eleanor storyline, because I think they're going to focus on this Robert thing for a while now pretty fully. So they could just have a good, fun relationship. Let Jasper and Eleanor have some fun while we focus on Robert and Liam and what's going on there. It'll be a nice counterpoint. And then when some time has passed, their relationship will be more serious, maybe more committed. Things are going really well. And that's when the public eye's involvement can be a complication Mm -hmm. when their relationship is actually serious. I would like to see the show use a little restraint. So we'll see if that actually happens. That's a lot to ask from this show. We've been bedeviled by technical difficulties. And it's like, you don't think it has anything to do with that supposedly cursed diamond that I stole last season, right? That seems unlikely. That does seem incredibly unlikely to me. I mean, everyone told me there was a curse, but I I don't really believe in those things. I'm just an American girl who loves wearing super, super short denim shorts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who used to, of course, do scams in Vegas before going for the big time. Yeah, obviously. Everybody knows Everybody knows the backstory of this podcast, Shannon. I don't know why you're reiterating it. I know. I know. I should try to get bogged, less bogged down in the plot details. My yeah. my many legends precede me. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, like we said, you can expect a couple new episodes coming down the pike. Until next time, I'm Shannon Camp. I am Zach Powers. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Visit Stage of Fools on our Twitter, at Stage of Fools Pod, or on our Facebook page, Stage of Fools. The Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted, artwork by Joshua Hollis.